It's amazing how quickly our plans can go awry in big ways and in small ways. It was uh, several weeks ago, Sarah and I were getting ready to go to the Preston Hollow Church Choir Gala. It was, uh, the gala was to support our choir summer tour in Europe. We had the date marked on our calendar. We had it circled. We had coordinated a babysitter. Uh, Elliot and Olivia had just finished eating dinner, mac and cheese. I wrote out the prayer that I was going to pray. I folded it, stuck it right there in the front pocket of my tuxedo jacket. I was uh, in the bedroom. I was uh, wrestling to get my final cuff link in. But I had too much pride to ask for help. <laughs> and I was just about to get it when Sarah yelled from the living room, Matthew, help! I came sprinting out of our bedroom and right into the living room to find Sarah holding Elliot up. He had just discarded all of his stomach contents all over her. I mean all of them, and they were everywhere. <laughs> Let me pause to say this. Uh, if you are visiting to Preston Hollow this morning, welcome. We're really glad you're here. <laughs> we don't normally do this, but here we are today. She's holding Elliot, and she said, help. Needless to say, uh, this was not part of our plan. We had, to, uh, we had to scramble. We had to get Elliot cleaned up and make sure he was okay. We had to get Sarah changed and into a new outfit. And we had to come up with a plan B immediately. We've all been there, haven't we? Maybe not with a vomiting child. <laughs> but we've all been there, have we not? Uh, where, when our plan has gone awry in some way. And let me be clear this morning. Uh, Vomiting child does not necessarily hold a candle to some of life's disruptions. You know them. Like uh, the disruption of losing a job. Or when our plan goes awry and we don't get into the college of our choice. Or uh, when our plan to receive the promotion that we have been working on and counting on and laboring for, it doesn't come through. Or the disruption of the relationship. You know the one where we really thought we were going to be with the one. We wake up one day and we don't know how it happened, but the love sort of fizzled. Or the plan of, the, of getting our dream job. The one that we got the internship at when we were still in undergrad. The one that we made sacrifices for and we finally got it. Only to get in the car every afternoon and feel completely empty. Wondering, did I sacrifice all of that for this? Or the plans that go awry, uh, you know, you save up every month, just a little bit, goes to the 401k, you gotta hit your number. And you're so close to hitting that number so that you can live the life that you've always wanted to live. And the phone rings on a Friday, your test results have come back. And it seems uh, that life that you had been waiting to live 
the one that you've been saving up for, the one that you've been saying things like this, we'll do that when? It seems that those years are no longer promised. You can't count on those now. Oh, man. Our plans can go awry in an instant. And uh, those disruptions are often uh, far beyond our control. And let me say this warning. I like control. I like my plan. I like my plan so much that I count on things happening the way that I want them to. Sometimes life doesn't always work out that way. It's often uh, in the normal times of our lives when, when these disruptions happen. Uh, the disciples are with Jesus this morning. If, if you could describe a normal day for being a disciple, this is it. Jesus has been uh, teaching and preaching. No one threatened to kill him after he did it. Everyone seemed to take in his teaching like it was wonderful. Jesus is tired, so he gets in a boat, which for fishermen is like the most common thing imaginable. They get in the boat, and they go out to the middle of the sea. Jesus falls asleep because he's exhausted. Everything is going normal. And then wind comes uh, down from the mountains, the mountains that surround the Sea of Galilee that sits 700 feet below sea level. When the wind hits the Sea of Galilee 700 feet below sea level, it can kick up waves and rain and clouds. And these fishermen who know a boat like the back of their hand, they know when wind like that finds them in the middle of the night, that wind and rain and waves are the greatest threat to their life. They know they're in trouble. Jesus is a asleep on the pillow in the back of the boat. They begin to take on water, and things that were normal have totally changed, and they wake Jesus up, and they say, uh, Lord, do you uh, not care that we are about to drown? Do you not care that we're about to perish by forces that are beyond our control. Jesus wakes up and everything changes. He says, uh, be still. And suddenly the most powerful forces that the disciples know, the forces that are beyond human control, they fall silent. And Jesus says, uh, why were you afraid? Why were you afraid? Do you have no fear? I imagine if uh, they would have asked Je if Jesus would have asked them that question before he silenced the storm. I imagine the disciples would have said something like this: "Well, um, you see, we were going to die, and that wasn't part of our plan when we signed up to leave our lives and follow you." Thanks. I imagine they would have said things like this. It was because of your teachings and your miracles. And we thought, would we ever be in a boat and perish with you? No, we thought the safe, safest thing we could have done was be in a boat with you. But Jesus doesn't ask him the question before he silences the storm. 
And I think that's important. Jesus asked him the question after he silenced the storm. He asked him after because I think it clarifies for them. Who is this rabbi who even creation responds to? Even the forces that are beyond human control fall in line with. If he can do that with creation, what do you think he could do with our lives? What do you think he could do with our world? What are you afraid of becomes a much more interesting question then. I don't know about you, but I, I like Jesus. I want him in my boat. I'd prefer him uh, in the back and to sleep at the same time. You know, just so I can call on him when I need it. You know, like when I hit a storm, uh, when things don't go my way, I can just say, hey, Jesus, will you wake up and solve this for me? Hey, Jesus, things are getting a little dicey in my life. I need you to sort of uh, to come in on call and, and fix this. I want Jesus in my boat during those times, but I got to tell you, I'm not so sure I want Jesus in the power of Christ in my life messing with my stuff or messing with my plan. But it seems to me, if Jesus is in your boat, he can't merely be on call. If Jesus is in our boat, Jesus is in our boat for every day of our life to demonstrate his power over the most feared and dangerous forces in our world and in our lives. Jesus is in our boat to show us that there is nothing off limits from God's transformation. And I got to tell you, I've learned that to be true in my life. I've learned that there is a life waiting for us that is beyond our own plan. There is a life waiting for us beyond what I could ever dream. Sarah Ruffner uh, knows this guy. His name's Scott Harrison. And Scott has one of those stories that's just incredible. It's, it's one of those stories where you can so clearly see how God had a plan for someone's life beyond what they could have ever imagined. Sarah Ruffner and Scott met on the Mercy Ship back in 2006. The Mercy Ship is an organization that takes old cruise ships and guts them and transforms them into floating hospitals. And they sail those floating hospitals uh, to the most desolate places on the planet to provide uh, medical care, life-changing medical care. When Sarah was on the Mercy ship, they sailed from Cape Town, South Africa to Monrovia, Liberia. Liberia had just come out of a, of a civil war that lasted over 10 years. When the Mercy ship arrived in port in Liberia, they had to wait three days for water. The pipes hadn't been turned on in over 10 years. Uh, you should know that uh, being on the Mercy ship was not part of Scott Harrison's plan. You see, uh, Scott grew up in the Northeast. His uh, parents were what he described as evangelical Christians. He felt like uh, faith had sort of been put on him and constrained him. And so Scott came up with a plan on his, 
of his own when he was 16. He was going to graduate and turn his attention to the glamorous life of New York City. And so at 19, he dropped out of NYU and he became a full-time nightclub promoter. And he was really good. Before he knew it, um, Budweiser and Bacardi paid him a monthly stipend just to be seen with their products. He had 40 nightclubs in his portfolio. Scott Harrison, you would want him on your team. From the outside looking in, he had everything. Not even Scott could have planned for his meteoric rise. But 10 years in, Scott felt his soul stirring. He wondered, uh, is, is this all my life is supposed to be? Everything that I've built? He was beginning to wonder if there was more to his life than what he had created. So one night out of the blue, he, did, he, did, he doesn't know what happened. He was walking the streets of New York, and he popped into a church. He hadn't been to a church in years. He finds his seat, and he's a little uncomfortable. And it comes time for the, for the, for the talk, the message. And a guy uh, in, in jeans comes up and goes to a microphone, just like that one, and he begins to speak. And Scott thinks, oh, my word, I know that guy. That guy's one of the DJs at the club that I promote. The DJ begins to tell of his life, his faith, his understanding of God. And Scott said, I am sitting there listening to this DJ describe a life that I long for. Scott said, uh, through the words of my friend that night, God disrupted my plan. That, it was that night that I decided I needed a break. I needed to do some soul searching. I was spiritually and emotionally and morally bankrupt. Scott said, I left that night and I went online and I began to apply to do a year of service. I applied to every organization that Google would spit out and no one would have me. Except this little organization that no one had heard of called the Mercy Ship. Scott Harrison was sitting on a boat in Liberia and that was not part of his plan. But not even he could have planned for what was next. Every day he would go out uh, into the surrounding communities and he would do community health assessments and he was beginning to become fired up because he was learning just how many people in Liberia were sick because they were drinking dirty water, water that was coming out of wells that they shouldn't be drinking out of. He began to realize how many people on the planet die every day because they don't have healthy, clean water. Scott Harrison said, we got to do something about that, but we got to do it in a different way. We got to do it in a way that the world had never seen. So Scott came back from the mercy ship, and do you know what he did? He went back to his nightclub promoting days. Except this time he would throw parties as fundraisers. He threw his first party, and they raised $30,000 in the first three hours so they could build their first well in Ethiopia. Since 2006, Charity Water has gone on to raise more than $380 million by cultivating gifts from over a million people around the globe. They have literally brought 
clean drinking water to over 10 million people through 35,000 water projects. If you would have asked Scott Harrison when he was 10 years old what he thought he would be doing when he was 45, I can promise you he wouldn't say this. I think if you would have asked Scott Harrison when he was 25 what he would be doing when he was 45, he wouldn't be able to say that. Friends, there is a plan for your life and my life that is beyond your plan. There is a plan beyond your life that, that, that you could never have come up with, that you could have never imagined. Friends, uh, rarely do things go as we would have them go. And to be honest, that can be really scary. It can be unnerving. But the question is, how will we be open to the life-changing power of God in our lives when that happens? How will tiny moments of revelation by the living Christ open our lives up to the possibilities and the new directions that are before us? It may not mean uh, getting on the mercy ship and creating charity water. It may mean uh, that a relationship with a sibling needs to be restored. It may mean that our professional expertise gets used and leveraged in a new way. It may mean that uh, we go to a school that we never dreamed on going to. It may mean that we may send our child to a school that we never planned on sending them. It can be scary when things don't go as planned. But my dear friends, the good news of the gospel is this. Jesus is more powerful than anything that you fear. Jesus is more powerful than anything that the world tells us to be afraid of. Jesus is stronger than death itself. For when we invite Christ into our lives, our best laid plans may change. The security that we have sought might disappear. The journey may not look anything like we imagined it to be. But I do know we will be drawn deeper into the love and the goodness of God Almighty. And our lives will be transformed to reflect the full and abundant life that God intends for each Thanks be to God for that. And what are you afraid of? Let us pray. It's hard to let go, oh God. It's hard to let go of the control that we think we have over everything we feel we have built. We pray that we could rest in the assurance that there is a plan far beyond the one that we have conceived. And we pray for the faith this morning to follow the plan that you have for our lives and for our world. 
For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.